Hello, everybody. Jeff Cross here. You can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com and just about any social media platform that you'd like to follow. Again, jeffcross22 at gmail.com. Well, today, my guest is you guys are going to you guys are going to want to tune in over 30 years of collegiate officiate experience um just these are just to name a few things here um he's been he's had a position in division one two or three levels for that for that whole time he's done two division three final fours seven wnit tournaments 12 WIAC championship games, um, you know, but now he is a rookie. Ladies and gentlemen, the new coordinator of officials for the WIAC, Scotty Doberstein. I, I call you Doberstein, but I believe it's Doberstein, correct? It is, yep. <laughs> I apologize, Scotty. <laughs> man, I, I, a lot of it, things. I know you have. <laughs> Welcome, Scotty. It's so good to hear from you, buddy. How you been? Good. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. This is uh, quite the experience I'm, I've never experienced, so this is good. Thank you. Well, and I know you're a big techno <laughs> guy, so I know you love technology. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So one of my first questions is, how does it feel to be a rookie now as far as your new position with the, you know, being a coordinator? Yeah. Well, been there, done that, right? We've all been a rookie at everything we've ever tried, and, and uh yeah, it's, it's definitely different. You feel like you have some experience and in, in some, you know, wherewithal to take on such a task. And then when you really look at it and you're like, I've never done this before. What do I do? Um, it's, it's intimidating yet, you know, it's bittersweet. I tell everyone that, you know, I'm glad I'm doing it, but I don't know what I'm in for yet. So it could be a bad thing. Who knows, you know, um, especially with COVID and, and, all that it's bringing with this summer and who knows what's going on in the season. Um, it could be, it could be a really bad rookie year based on the circumstances <laughs> that I'm falling into, but we'll deal with it. We'll make it work. Um, it's a challenge, but I'm excited uh, to do it. And um, you know, history will, will let me know in a few years, whether it was good, bad or indifferent. Mm. So tell me, you know, <laughs> did, you know, when this position came available and, you know, you throw your, your hat in the ring what was going through your mind well you know when you hear that the that becky's leaving and and everyone's saying you know is, is hey you're gonna you're gonna apply you're gonna apply and i really never thought about it i mean i look at what supervisors do and what they have to deal with in terms of logistics and the numbers and and all that kind of stuff it never really entered into my mind and then when this came about i'm like hmm am i at that point in my career that I'm ready for that or want that, you know, you have to leave the floor partially. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not leaving the floor entirely, but you can't work any D three tournaments. You can't work any conference D three tournaments. So I am asking myself, do I really want to get off the floor that much or that little, Um, you know, do I want to continue to ref? And then I thought, well, if I don't do it now, who knows when the next opportunity will come up. And if it comes up when I'm 70 years old, you know, I doubt I would want to do it. So I thought, (laughs) you know, um, no risk, no reward. I might as well throw my hat in the ring and just see what happens. I was not going to be devastated if I didn't get it. And I certainly, you know, wasn't over the moon to get it because it reality set in real quick that, oh man, what did I get myself into? So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a journey and, and it happened, uh, pretty fast and, um, here we are, you know? 
So is there something where you're like, okay, I'm going to, if I get this position, you know, is there something that you're, you're telling yourself, I want to do something a little different than what's been done in the past? Are you looking to just kind of stay pat how everything was and, you know, or, you know, can you mind sharing with, you know, kind of what your mindset's going to be going into this, you know, this rookie season? Well, you know, you don't, I don't think you improve if you just want to stay the same. I mean, mm. you know, all of us can just follow the same guide and, and the predecessor Becky Blank did a great job. And, and I've had so many mentors over the years, so many supervisors over all those years of officiating and, and when they do stuff and they don't do stuff, you know, you make a mental note and you say, I wonder why they did that. Or I'm glad they did that. Or that was a great idea, you know? Um, but not every supervisor does that. So in this bald head of mine, there's been lots of thoughts floating around on what I should do, what I should change, how I should improve, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, so I think majority, since I've gotten the job, it's been those kinds of things. What do I want to implement? What do I want to change? Um, the first year, you don't want to come and make just huge wholesale changes. You're not mm-hmm. going to fire anybody. You're, you know, you're going to try and maintain some consistency so that they're not uh, wondering what the heck, you know, you're going from opposite uh, one side to the other in a, in a single year from one supervisor to the next. So you want some level of consistency and congruency so that people feel comfortable. Um, but yet you still want to shake up the apple cart a little bit and, you know, try and enhance and improve. Um, and so, um, you know, I've kicked around and, and uh, thinking about a mentorship program for the younger officials, um, you know, that, that I've seen work in other conferences that we've really never done here in the WIAC. Um, you know, kicking around, uh, other kinds of things like that. Um, you know, I don't know what we'll do with the video and and educational piece during the season that other conferences do. Um, I don't want to do the same thing because then if you work two or three of the same leagues, you're getting two or three of the same kinds of things. Um, and we don't need redundancy that way. We need, we need a different way to look at it. So, um, I'm honestly trying to think about what we're going to do with COVID if, you know, obviously there, there's not many summer camps, if any. Um, our meetings typically are just, you know, audio. I'd like to do something video so we can see people's faces since we didn't see them this summer, some team building type stuff. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, lots of, you know, lots of things you'd want to do. And maybe now because of COVID, we have an opportunity to, to, to do that where we really, we weren't pushed to try and do it before. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I think about all the camps I'm missing this summer and all the people I'm missing seeing and all the officials, uh, that want to be seen. Um, maybe we need to have some kind of online zoom slash type of, uh, video conference, uh, much like we're probably going to do, you know, for the NCAA meeting or whatever. Um, and, you know, see each other's faces and converse and, and, uh, just reminisce, you know, Mm. uh, connect. I mean, sure we can connect, uh, in other ways, but the whole staff as, as a connecting piece, I think is something I would like to try and do, but you know me and technology. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) we'll, we'll figure it out, but you know, until we got it, I think until the NCAA makes a decision on what the season's going to look like or what we think it's going to look like, it can always change. Mm -hmm. It's hard to even start planning some of that stuff. I got the ideas floating around, but the logistics is obviously the next piece to work out. Um, so yeah, I'm going to make some changes, not in personnel per se, Um, but, uh, but, you know, you learn from a lot of people over the years. And I think that's what supervisors are, is they're trying to take the best of what they've learned over the years and incorporate it into kind of a new uh, way of doing things, um, while still maintaining the tradition of what a supervisor does and how they go about day-to-day business. Yeah. And some of the people that maybe don't know you, 
um, your actual profession is you are in education, correct? Correct. Yes. I'm a college instructor. So, I mean, so teaching is going to be become very, very, um, I hate to say, I hate to use the word easy, but it's going to be, it's going to be very natural for you to be able to teach (laughs) these, you know, your staff as they develop. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, yeah, it's right in my wheelhouse. So um, whether we can do that technologically or we just do it in person, um, you know, is, is the how to get it done. But yeah, I've learned so much since uh, March on how to teach anatomy and physiology, clinical pathology online, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, which is uh, some tough subjects to do. Um, and now I'm teaching three summer school classes, two graduate program classes and an undergraduate and so the technology is coming along, the way to kind of mold things and make it usable and learnable. And, you know, um, so, yeah, I, I guess if if we're shut down until the season starts, um, a big task of mine is to try and figure out how to do that with my staff mm. um, in some way, shape or form. We got to connect. We got to teach. We got to learn, um, you know, and consider, you know, like a virtual meeting instead of meeting in person and going over plays or discussing certain things we'll have to do it virtually I, I think that's a huge piece um and so uh if you were in the WIAC I'd be leaning on you to kind of run that because you're very good with this technology stuff <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm gonna give my teenage kids credit for that so <laughs> I, I figured, <laughs> I out, I figured out real you. quick the only way I can keep track of my teenage kids is to be, you know, I better figure out technology so <laughs> yep point well taken yeah, yeah. um so I'm going to just switch gears a little bit here. You talked about team building. So let's just um, let's pretend for the sake of the exercise that everything is status quo normal. Okay. What is a team building? You know, what is give me an idea of a team building event for you? Well, I mean, again, ideally, if it was in person, let's say at a camp or at a meeting, you mm-hmm. know, it'd be getting to know. I mean, I, I inherited a league with 57 officials and I've been around a long time. I've been refereeing in this conference for 23 years and there are names and faces of people I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the Y, it's not that big a conference, but you're still pulling from Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. And so even though you'd think I'd worked with every one of them, mm-hmm. there are people coming from different parts of the geographic location that I don't go to. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go over to Oshkosh very much. I don't. So um, I haven't crossed paths. So I need to know my officials. And certainly um, there are very few officials that know all the other officials. Right. You know, so you get them in the same place. You get to know each other on a personal level. You get to know what they do during the day. You get to know what their families are like. You get to know them personally. Um, and, of course, the sky's the limit on any kind of team building activities and, you know, challenge course or, you know, there's many ways to do it. You could have a simple golf outing. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so as long as people are together conversing on a normal day-to-day person-to-person, not ref-to-ref basis, builds camaraderie, builds trust, builds rapport, um, and you go into that game now knowing that, you know, so-and-so from 200 miles away um, does this and you can connect and it just feels more natural. You feel more secure. Uh, you feel like you can trust and respect each other. And that should, in theory, dovetail into a better game. You know, that's obviously the goal. Because if it didn't do any good beyond that, then why, you know, why are we doing it? It's like the same reason a business does it. The business flows better. They're more efficient. They're more productive. And so ideally, we have a better on-court presence and camaraderie and trust if we get to know each other off the floor. Sure. You know, um, 
I'm going to share one team building. Now I've, I've never been part of this team building event, but I heard, and I mm-hmm. saw some pictures of, of it. And you may have done the same. You may have seen it, but um, Violet Palmer, who is a coordinator on the West coast, um, she, right. she did a team building atmosphere and what they did was, I, I, don't, I don't know the numbers. I'm just going to make up numbers. We'll just say 10 bikes. They had 10 bikes brought in that needed to be assembled. Oh. And, <laughs> and they put them in crews of three and, sure, sure. and assembled these bikes as a team building atmosphere, you know, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then oh, when, sure. they, when they got down yeah. with that bike, they gave that bike to a child in need. So, oh my gosh, yeah, it's outstanding. I know, I got goosebumps just saying it that, out loud again. Yes, you know what I mean? yeah, and, yeah. I've never, heard, yeah, and I've never heard of it. I think it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, you know, and so that is, I think there's some great things there with team building. But so I wanted to share that with you. But I think ultimately, when at least when I think of team building, if I am a team building, whether I'm in it or I am directing any kind of team building, I really mm-hmm. want to figure out just a kind of a mindset that individuals are in, you know, mm-hmm. we want to be able to get them some camaraderie. We want to be able to do those things, but sometimes you can really see some struggles and some weaknesses and strengths in people during team building events. I agree. I mean, and that would, to, to me, that almost is more advanced team building where you have a, you know, almost a professional facilitator, mm-hmm. Um, and you do this multiple times, you know, it's not just once every 10 years. Um, I mean, I think there's an advantage to all of that. And the problem you have, I think with, especially with D3, um, is, you know, you got people at two, 250 miles away, you got to find a central location, bring everybody in. Um, and I guess, is there a way to do this virtually? And if there is, then there's no excuse not to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. You can have all these excuses why you can't logistically do it in the middle of July. Um, because people don't want to give up their vacation. They're already going to camp. You know what I mean? There's sure. many other things, but virtually we might be able to do something um, that at least touches on the edge of, of what I'm thinking of and what you're kind of talking about. Because um, I think, you know, nine months of the year, eight months of the year, we're doing our own thing. And then we got this three or four months where we're together and then we lose each other. And, mm-hmm. and I just think uh, we need to build better relationships. Um, we all have our good buddies in officiating that, you know, don't get me wrong, but, but what about that person who doesn't have a mentor or doesn't have that access um, and they don't feel welcome or they, they're hesitant to, you know, pick up the phone and call us or whatever. Um, you know, that's what I'm trying to, trying to be more inclusive and get everyone feeling like, yeah, we are a team. We're a team of 56 and um, we have a job to do and we're going to try and get it done um, in some way, shape or form. So, since some of you, you know, some of the listeners out there may not know you, tell me, you know, what do you, if you were, you know, what's, what's a successful official look like in your eyes? You know, what kind of people are you looking for, buddy? Well, uh, you're looking for leadership type people, you know, leaders rather than followers. If we're speaking in generalities, Mm -hmm. you're looking for confident people, um, people who trust themselves, understand themselves, who aren't. Um, you know, uh, we don't want to be arrogant. We don't want to be an egotistical narcissist, you know, in any way, shape or form. Uh, you want a team player, um, not a dictator, but a team player um, who's there for the crew and not for themselves. 
Um, you want somebody who can manage people that, you know, and managing your crew and or managing coaches or managing tables or managing players. You got to be a manager. And, and again, if you've been around long enough, you know that when people have these kinds of qualities in their day job, um, they tend to do much better at being officials mm-hmm. when they don't have those skill sets that they've learned professionally and carry over into their avocation then they have some work to do. And that's the kind of stuff that we need to foster if they want to continue to grow in this avocation. So um, those, I mean, good, good people. You're looking for good people uh, who, who want to try and give it their all. They're, they're not just sitting back saying, I've got enough games. I don't need to work hard. I don't need to go to camp. I mean, they have to be driven, motivated, team type people um, that manage situations that can go south pretty quickly. Um, well, you know, I mean, I think every supervisor is looking for those qualities. Now, the question is, you know, uh, how do you find them? How do you recruit them? You know, do they just fall into your lap or do you go selectively try and find them? Mm-hmm. Um, those are the rookie things I'm going to be <laughs> trying to figure out, <laughs> especially now when I, I'm not in recruit mode. You know what I mean? I had so many emails. I'm going to be at this camp. You're going to be there. I want you to see me, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I used to be that person um, years ago. And, and here now we're going to have to almost take a year off. And maybe I'll end up with two rookie years. So maybe I'll have a, a mulligan this first Ooh. year and everyone can give me a pass. <laughs> and then <laughs> I don't think that'll happen, but you know, I'm throwing it out yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> listen, that's going to be your go to reason. Hey, listen, COVID, I don't know <laughs> yeah. what to tell you. About. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. for sure. Um, so I, I want, I'm hoping you're okay with this. And I should have asked you this prior to this, but that's it. If you, oh, if, if you, if you say yeah. no, it's okay. I know this story, but I'm wondering if you would be willing to share um, the story of, I guess it's probably been 10, 15 years ago um, where you were officiating a game and you had a fight. Would you be willing to share? You don't have to, you don't don't have to, you don't have to say your names or anything like that, but I think. No, 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 no. We'll keep it very generic. I think it's a very great story in general. And I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that can really relate to what you're going through and then maybe help them educate on, on, you know, what you learned, what you took away from it and how how you got better after it. Well, how much time you got? Cause that was, (laughs) I, I consider that a pivotal moment in my officiating career. I believe it was 2007. It was January. It was Wichita state at Illinois state. And we are in the, I think it's the third quarter. Um, might have been second quarter. This is um, well, actually halves. Yeah. I, I think it was the end of first half. Yeah, end of first half, beginning of second half. Um, actually, it was second half, beginning yeah before the first media in the second half. And so we have a a jump shot by an Illinois State player right about the ten foot mark in the lane, so below the free throw line. I'm the trail, or no, she. That's where she's at. That's where the rebound occurs. Um, I have a three point attempt out of my primary. I'm trail table side. And I got a three-pointer, a contested three-pointer in my primary. So I go up with the signal. Um, The ball air balls and bounces and then goes out of bounds. Okay. So the lead goes to get the ball. And on the rebound, you can see the defensive player, the Wichita State player, kind of put her arm up high and get caught in the neck of the Illinois State player. And so the ball's out of bounds. I got now I got subs. So I'm, I'm blowing my whistle. And I'm putting my hand up to bring in the subs. And as I turn back toward my lead and my C, um, I see the two players bow up, uh, chest up each other right in the middle of the lane. Uh, You know, again, about 10 feet out. And so um, as I start to move in, 
because you know right now they're just chested up all of a sudden one pushes one the 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 Dost tape player pushes the girl and doesn't move her i mean she pushed her but she didn't budge mm-hmm. it was like little on big mm-hmm. and so then big grabs little um and grabs her hair and pulls her down she doesn't knock her down but she pulls her down so that her she's bent over the way so i come flying in um with a whistle and a fist. I mean, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm going to call foul. <laughs> Dead ball, contact, technical, whatever I'm going to call. And Patty at camp, this is probably what you remember too, at camp she showed me with my one leg up, my arm up, and as she started singing the Mighty Mouse cartoon song uh-huh. because I'm trying to come to save the day. Uh-huh. Um, my C is not doing a thing, and my lead has got his back turned because he's in the stands looking for the ball. Mm. The C is the closest, and they don't go do anything. So I get in there. I separate the players. I grab the Illinois State player and I start walking her to the bench, which is right there because that, that's how I know it's second half. And the coach for Illinois State, Robin's saying, she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. And I look down and in the hand of the Illinois State player is a clump of hair with the beads on the Whoa. ends. <laughs> and so I said, Robin, I don't think she was innocent. And she dropped the hair on the floor. And then Robin got really mad. Mm-hmm. And she grabbed the girl and, you know, she's reading her the riot act. I've delivered her. Mm. And just before I can turn around to see what's happening with the Wichita State player, because Jane had come on the floor by video, you can see she's coming on the floor to come get her player, but she's only at about midcourt. The Wichita State player goes over the top of me and starts throwing a haymaker at the girl because she realized that her hair was no. missing, that she had been, she had had hair pulled and taken oh off her head. gosh. So, um, so now we got two separate acts. We go all flying into the bench. I don't go down. Players go down over chairs. The computers go off the scores table right near the end of the bench. Um, water goes flying. You know what I mean? And then the, my, one of my partners and, um, Jane get that Wichita state player to the other end of the bench. So we start conversing about what just happened. And, um, you know, we got a double flagrant on both. We're going to pitch them. Mm-hmm. And then I brought, I brought up the question, what do we do about the second act? Because they, were, they had to be a good 20 seconds apart. There are two different spots on the floor. Um, one was, you know, I mean, that, that act was more intentional than the first two when they just got in their little scuffle. Um, and so uh, we decided to do nothing. This is before live streaming. This is before, um, you know, but the but I don't know how people they were calling the press row to find out what had happened because it wasn't live stream, but obviously there'd have been team mm-hmm. video. So they we the if security takes the girls out, their their uh their ways off the court to get to the back of the arena, and then we realize that they're gonna cross in the back. So I sent security down the middle and I said, intercept them before they cross as they're heading toward their locker rooms and have to cross paths. So we averted to some tragedy there, I think. <laughs> um And so we went on with the game. So now we have to call Patty after the game. We have our um, observer, Bo Kreider, is in the room. We're hashing it out. We're talking to Patty. Um, I get home at 3.30 in the morning. I I can't sleep. And I'm thinking about this girl from Wichita State riding around on the bus on the way home or to the hotel and stuff with a chunk of hair missing from Mm. her scalp. Well, when my wife wakes up the next morning, she said, you idiot, that's not her hair. Those were no. extensions. <laughs> and they just came out of her real hair. You know, it's, it's expensive, sure. but she's not, you know, she doesn't have a bald spot on her head. I'm like, oh, I wish I'd have known that at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> um, and so then you get on the phone with Patty, you file your reports. 
Um, we all analyzed the game from start to finish. There was not a single episode that precipitated their little scuffle. Um, you know, you look for other rebounds, you look for other contested mm-hmm. shots between these two post players. And so Patty came back and said, I looked at the whole game, you know, obviously they were suspended and it's the league did its thing, but she said, I could not find a single thing that you guys missed, um, in doing that, uh, or handling it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we ignored something or missed something that we should have gotten that, you know, could have helped us later on and that kind of stuff. Um, it was a blowout is a 40 point game. Wow. Uh, at that point, at the beginning of the second half, I know that Wichita State was up up or down over 40 in the first half. Um, and so these were starters. You know, I think this was going to be their last media break. And then, they, you know, this, the subs were going to play the rest of the game. But um, so it was pivotal. It was it was it was traumatic in the sense that, you know, it happened and you think you handled it right. Um, we had different opinions on whether we should have adjudicated a second act as mm-hmm. part of the first or not. Um, Patty was fine with us not doing it. Other people have said, no, there was two separate acts and it was one sided versus both sided. So it should have been, you know, um, but uh, I mean, my takeaway is you never know what's going to happen. You have to be ready. I mean, our C, I don't know what our C was doing on video, but they weren't watching that rebound in the paint. I can tell mm-hmm. you that. And then, you know, we'd always say, don't worry about the ball, the ball will come back. Well, the lead didn't need to go into the stands to go mm-hmm. find the ball. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. there were many takeaways. I, I probably should have, I mean, I had my shooter up and down and I turned to rebounding um, and it, it airballed. And I immediately, when I heard, heard the whistle, looked at the table because I knew I had subs and I, there was no reason for me to rush that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I could have mm-hmm. stayed with the play longer, made sure there was nothing going on before I bring in subs. What, what is, does it matter if I'm three seconds, five seconds late on it? I mean, there were so many takeaways. Um, and uh, I mean, it's those kinds of things where you say, it's never going to happen to me. Okay. It happened to me. And now you know what it's like, you know what to look for. Mm. You, you feel better about pre-gaming that you feel better about when something happens and you can come in and say, okay, this is how we handle it because I've had this before. It's mm-hmm. like anything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I believe that was 2007. And so, you know, we're, we're now 13 years later, 14 years later. And um, boy, uh, you know, it's, it's, I didn't know what you were going to ask me about, but, um, I, I don't have a great memory, but those things are stuff that, you know, are infirmed in your mind that you'll never forget. Sure. So now you, you, you had said at the very beginning, you said you believe it was a pivotal, pivot, pivotal, I can't even say it, pivotable, piv, <laughs> pivotal, you know, pivotal. I don't know why you put a bullet in yeah. a pivotal time in your career. And why do you say that? And, you know, what's well, your, I think. You, you you get, this is again, my take, you get on this um, status quo, easy street, non, or uh, I don't need to, can't even think of the word where you just think everything's going great. Mm. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You go to camp, you get your schedule, you're reffing, you're having fun and you're on easy street. And then all of a sudden something like that happens and it makes you realize, you know, boy, that can happen to anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I have to be ready for it. You go into a game thinking, oh, this is going to be a great matchup. There should be no trouble. We should get out of here pretty, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, as soon as you do that, something bad is going to happen and yuck up your game. Mm-hmm. And so, you, I mean, I probably – I'm an uptight person to begin with. You know that? No. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I probably got more uptight after that than I did before that. Because, again, when you've been working as long as I have, and that's the – only thing biggest thing you've ever had happen um 
you know, you're like, wow, you know, so now I'm like, I don't want to say I'm expecting it, but I feel ready for it where I didn't feel ready for it before that, that Ah. incident. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you, because I I think we get complacent, you know, you work a schedule, you don't have to call the supervisor back then. Um, there were, you know, the, you were still probably sending out videotape, um, or pretty close to that or a CD or a DVD, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have, um, stuff that you could access online immediately. And so we had to send the clip, get the clip from, we had the, the team get us the clip in the locker room before we left. We were probably there two, two and a half hours after the game. Wow. Um, so that we could get that to Patty, put it in the mail the next morning, you know, type of deal. Yeah, I think yeah. they might've given it. And so, I mean, since she hasn't seen it yet, but yet you're describing everything that happened. Um, and so you just, it's this heightened awareness that we talk about all the time. I think I had a career heightened awareness versus an individual kind of circumstance heightened awareness uh, after 2007. Wow. That's very good. I like that. That's, that's very, very good, man. That's, uh, it, you know, I, I, I tend to say when I'm in camps and stuff like that, and we're talking to other officials, if you think, it's, <clears throat> if you think it's not going to happen to you, you're wrong. Yes, um, I agree. You're wrong. And it, it, it may, you, you know, either you're not in it long enough or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. if you're going to walk around and, you know, and have this bit of confidence about you and say these phrases that it don't worry, it won't happen in my game. You're, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> right. And you're sadly yep. mistaken. And you're probably setting yourself up for some sort of failure um, in, yeah. in some way, shape or form. So, all right. right. Well, l- listen, we've been here about 30 minutes, but I, I really, I'm, I'm hoping if you could just close with a couple things. One, first one is everyone's listening out there you know, what kind of, you know, advice can you give them? Um, not necessarily, we've already discussed what you're looking for, but, you know, mm-hmm. give me, give, give them something to take in to the rest of the summer, some advice from the coordinator of the YA. Um, my biggest thing right now, I think, and it hit me the other day is that because of all this, we got these excuses now why we can't go ref right? We can't work summer ball or we can't go to a camp or we got many reasons why that are above and beyond us. We're not choosing to do that. So I think we have to be pretty diligent and work hard on our own, whether that's reviewing our own game tape, um, trying to attend a virtual camp, uh, maybe having a study group with, with a group of your refereeing friends and pals um, to keep uh, everything up to date and, and kind of stay engaged. Cause I think if we take a complete summer off, and then we come back into this season, um, regardless of how that's going to look and, and all that kind of stuff, I think we're going to get caught. Mm. I think we're going to have a problem. And so, I mean, is it nice to have downtime? Sure. But is it nice or is it good for us to get away from everything completely? No. So um, as soon as I can get my handle on my classes, I want to go and look at some key games of mine. Um, I want to bounce some stuff off of uh, people like we would do during the season. I think this is our perfect time to kind of do those things virtually now as a way of trying to stay engaged and connected and learning and improving because physically it doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that this year. That's a very good piece of advice. I think um, people, you know, I, I tend to tell people, Hey, listen, during this, this time, whatever you want to call it, COVID time, whatever that is, and when it's all done and over, I want to come out on the other end, a better person than what I was with three months ago. And same, same thing with officiating. And, and I try to try to express to people that if you're sitting back and waiting for officiating to start back up and you're not working on your game in some way, shape or form, 
there's a real chance you will get passed up because there are people that are still working on your game. And it's going to be very obvious when you get on the floor in November and you go, whoa, you know, Jeff's a little, he's a step or two behind here. What's going on? Because everyone else has been working when I've sat back and said, you know, take my break, as we say, air quotes. And then mm-hmm. now we find ourselves going, oh, what happened? And now we've lost maybe, you know, a, a significant amount of games. You know, we've lost respect with coaches, coordinators, and all those things, and it becomes very obvious. So I think that's a very yeah. good point. I agree. And talk about people that have this summer weight and, and winter weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, my weight's the same all year round, and I still work out to go to camp. But if you don't have to go to camp and be seen anymore, mm-hmm. are you going to let your body get away and say, okay, I'll catch up in September, October, be ready for November, and then certainly not meet your goal. And then a supervisor's like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that. I, and again, now I'm a supervisor. Am I going to give people a pass in November for not being up to where they need to be? And again, I'm not necessarily talking about weight, but where they should be polished in terms of refereeing mm-hmm. because of COVID. Does that get them a free pass? Or is it, no, you knew that this happened and you had your uh, choices to do some things or not do some things. And now we're seeing the fruits or lack thereof of that, you know, problem. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want people giving an excuse during the season and say, well, you know, I miss camp this summer mm-hmm. and there are ways to do this and we have to figure that out for our own selves, perhaps, you know, what works best for us. But, um, I couldn't agree with you more. I, th- I think, I think the coaches are going to be worried about it. I think supervisors are going to be worried about it. Mm-hmm. And those of us who are proactive enough on the officiating side are going to be worried about it. Other people are just going to ho-hum and, and hopefully it doesn't cost the crew anything major. This is what I, if, if someone said to me, if I was a supervisor, which I am, you know, I'm not a supervisor, but I, this is one of the things that I would say, if someone gave me, well, it, I didn't get a chance to go to camp and COVID-19 really got me or whatever it is. And I would look over to whoever else was in the crew who didn't have any issues. And so what about this person? So mm-hmm. they, they didn't use it as, as an excuse. So, and you, right. and so I'm supposed to accept that as an excuse from you when the person next to you didn't use an excuse and they elevated during that time. So how how am I supposed to do this? You know what I mean? So it's, it's just not going to happen. Great. Great stuff. I agree. Um, Is there, you know, tell those people out there that are listening that, you know, is there a book that you would recommend right now? You know, is there, is there something that you you think is a must read in, in, you know, in your library? Well, I mean, I have quite a weird taste of, of books and stuff. I like anything on leadership. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do. It's weird. I, I, I love Mount Everest. I don't want to climb the thing because uh, I don't want to die. <laughs> but um, I've read a lot of books on Mount Everest and the perseverance, the dedication, the motivation of these people who try and climb mountains, um, who came so close to dying and have changed their whole world's or their life's perspective because of it. Um, and so, uh, you know, anything that improves you as a person, um, is going to improve you as an official. Mm -hmm. And so I don't care what form that takes. I mean, I do a lot of reading for my day job. So, um, I have grad classes where I, you know, make students read books and then we discuss stuff and it's pretty hard concrete science stuff. So obviously that's not applicable, but any leadership book, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm drawing blank in here on the title. Um, oh, here it is, uh, left for dead. Um, by Beck Weathers. Um, he's one of the doctors on Everest um, that survived but lost a hand, lost fingers, lost his nose, lost an ear um, when he was left for dead because um, everyone thought he was dead and he wasn't. Oh. Um, and so it's, it's how, do you, how do you overcome that and how did he survive it and, and what did it mean moving forward as a pathologist in Dallas, Texas and 
Um, any of those kinds of books where you get something out of it personally that can make you a better person, um, obviously helps society, but then it also makes you a better official. So I, I have not read, um, leisure type stuff for a mm-hmm. while. I've been reading a lot of professional stuff, but, um, you know, so anything, uh, related to that is where I would, would put my energies because we do have a lot more reading time right now. That's, that that's for sure. sure. I call it uh, building our mental capital. That's what we're doing. We're increasing our mental sure. capital when we, when we find ways to invest in ourselves. So I think that's yes. really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And w- one of the last questions I have for you is, you know, what, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, when you, when you think about legacy, what does it mean to you? And, you know, how, uh, how do you think it will, it's a tough question for a lot of people. But... Yeah, it is. I mean, um, I consider myself pretty young yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've thought about that a lot, especially as you're raising children. Um, you know, I want people to, to understand that I was uh, trustworthy and honest, um, that I tried to do the right thing in, in any circumstance where, you know, um, you're expected to do so. Um, uh, fair is not necessarily uh, in part of that. I mm. mean, life is not fair. Things are mm. not fair. So for me to be fair to you may not be justified in, in terms of how I look at things. Because um, if you need a scolding, then, you know, you're getting a scolding, even though it's not fair. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, so um, I, I guess one of my personal legacies is I wasn't raising children. I got three adult children. They're all college graduates now. And we and my, my wife and I always looked at it as we were raising adults. They just happened to be little people at the time. And so if we did our job when they were kids, they were going to be good standing adults. And so I think we have three good standing adults. Um, obviously, I'm biased, <laughs> but I think if you talk to most people, uh, they would agree. And it's because of how we did it when our child rearing, we weren't their friend. We weren't their buddy. We weren't going to give them what they wanted. They were going to know that life is like this. And, you know, so um, so how that maybe translates into officiating or why supervisor. I'm not sure other than, you know, I want to leave everything better than the way mm. I found it. And I feel it, feel like if I've improved it, then I've done something. If I go in and ruin it, if I keep mediocrity the same, I'm not mm. helping anybody. So um, every time I go into class, I want to have a better class than the class I had before. Um, and every time I go into fishing, I want to have a better game than I had the game before. Um, every time I have a relationship with a person, I want to try and leave it better than the way I came into that relationship. Um, you know, if we, if, if we as a society and people try to do those things, um, all the time, I think, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be better for it. And because all this protesting going on, I just came across a quote yesterday that I wrote down. I got it right here by my computer, judge others by their intentions, judge yourself by your Mm -hmm. actions. And so, um, you know, we are, we're always looking for the negative in people, but what was their intention? If their intention was good and it, and it failed, that still gives mm. them points. Mm. Um, and even though I might have good intentions, um, if I don't pull out the action, then maybe I can be held accountable, you know, for not following through. But still, um, you know, it's those kinds of things. I got little phrases like that all over, just trying to be a better person every That's single awesome. day. So um, That's but, very good. I, I anyway. will say this in parting before we disconnect here. If my guess is your interview went anything like this, this 30, 40 minutes we've spent together, I can see why they picked you. You, you have shown, I've known you for a lot of years, but just in this 30, 40 minutes here, I mean, you've shown great leadership 
Um, and you are going to take this staff of, as you said, 50 or 60 people, and I believe you're going to elevate them to a, to a place they never thought they could be. Um, and I want to, I just wanted to share that with you that I, I noticed that in the 30 or 40 minutes. And my guess is that the longer you spend as a YX supervisor and beyond the people that you affect that way are going to notice it considerably and um, know that, 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 that job that you have right now is going to have a major effect on people. And we thank you for that, buddy. Well, thank you for the kind yeah. words, Jeff. That was, you know, I'll send the 20 there bucks. You go, right, right. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> but thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm still well, rookie, yeah, time so. will tell. Um, before, before we go, yeah. how can people, if they want to email you or how can they contact you um, if they have any questions or concerns about whatever that might be? Yeah, I'm not on social media. So um, good old fashioned email S Doberstein at UWLAX.edu. Um, it's the spelling of my last name, uh, S before it. So it's first initial last name, S Doberstein at U-W-L-A-X dot E-D-U. And then of course you can contact me at jeffcross22 at gmail.com. Um, and I can also get you Scotty's information also, um, before we, before we disconnect, if, if everyone listening out there, if something here has resonated with you, or if you feel like there is something that was said in here that can help someone else. Or, you know, it would be valuable to someone else. It's a simple click of the share button and get it in their hands, get it in their inbox. You know, um, we uh, we want to be able to help others achieve greatness. And Scotty is uh, is on board with that. Also, that's why he's uh, been a great guest. Mm -hmm. So contact us or hit the share button and we will go from there. So, Scotty, I appreciate you taking uh, your lunch hour with me. And I hope your day is nothing short of amazing, man. All right, buddy. We'll you see too. You. Yep. Right. Thank you so you much. Too. Have Bye-bye. a good day. Bye-bye.